Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How is everyone? Is that what I heard? Resounding. Yeah, we're cool. I thought I'm cool. I have my AC on today, so if you hear something in the background, that's what it is. You know what? I forgot to... Look at this. Hang on a second. You know, this is how things happen. Hang on. Hang on, guys. It's going to be one of those nights. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I can't do this without my shiny sign, right? What the heck? There we go. There we go. Didn't even notice that bad boy was off. Bad luck to not have it on. Bad karma. Must have been because I was misbehaving before the show. Back to TikTok today, right? But the good news is, I was on on the haunted mansion right at Disneyland, so I, so so that kind of makes up for the whole. Look at my hat's on crooked today. What is going on? After yesterday, it's probably why. I want to uh, apologize for last night. Uh, we I had a technical difficulty. Anybody that's worn contact lenses will understand. <laughs> Put one of the contacts in, half of it came flying out, and then, boom, I couldn't get the other half out. So instead of doing the show with half a contact in, and ending up running, you know, running the ER, ER late at night, I decided to go early and just, just blow the show off and uh, get the stupid thing removed. But I'm back today. Got my temporaries, got some on order. Life is good. Anyway, I want to welcome you all. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. We hope if nothing blows up. Because it looks so far things are blowing up. Signs are unplugging. One of those days. Uh, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state of California. If you've got any issues that you think might be paranormal, get a hold of us. Either at CaliforniaHaunts.org or CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com or Facebook or wherever. And we can get out to you because, like I said, we're spread up and down the state, so we can get just about to any location in the state of California. Cool, right? All right. And not only that, if you live in, if you happen to live in Hawaii, or Nevada, or Washington State, we can help you. We can help you out. Or Oregon, yeah, we we can help you out. We can help you out with stuff. Anyway, I got a great guest tonight. She's a returning guest. We love having her on, and the old-timers on this show love hearing what she has to say. And I did read one of her books, you know, on our Sunday read. I did read one of her books uh, over a span of, like, six weekends on a Sunday read. Excellent book. Everybody got a good laugh because there were t- there were German words in there that I was trying to pronounce. So my family would get a hold of me after the shows and laugh. Everybody laughed at me. They're all going to laugh at me. But anyway... um. It was a great book, and hopefully we'll get to read her newest book later on at some point. And right now we're in the middle of reading about Lizzie Borden. But uh, Anna Maria Manalo is with us tonight. And she's a grand old friend. She's always fun to talk to, always fun to have on. And so, you know what? I'm going to shut up now. And I'm going to bring her on. Oh, you know what? I have some announcements to make. That's right. Our, uh, web, uh, one of our pages on Facebook called California Haunts Ghostly Events. I'm going to be doing meet and greets on there from time to time. 
where you guys can come on and I'll update you on what the group's doing and and other things that are going on. And uh, you can ask me questions one on one, you know, about ghost hunting or my or even my my life here in a haunted house or whatever you want to ask. It's just free for all. But that's going to be a California Haunts ghostly event, ghost ghostly events. Okay. So uh, I just want to give you an update on that. I don't know when the dates for any of that's going to be, but uh, yeah, but I'm thinking of holding some special shows there where we can, you know, maybe take some of our really fun interview interviewees like, well, like Anna Maria and bring her on there and do some Facebook work on there with her, you know, on a special, more in-depth interviews than what we're doing here. So there's something to kind of look forward to. Anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. And I'm going to bring Anna on because I'm going to shut up. I'm running out of things to say. All right, so here we go. Charlotte. Hello. <laughs> Good evening. Anything that can go wrong will, but we're here. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm happy to be back. And, uh, you know, you're you're in my favorite state here. So I, I, I just love the people over there, uh, up and down the state. Used to go there 14, for 14 years straight, almost every summer. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's an okay state to live in. I mean, a lot of people think it's expensive to live here, but really it isn't. You know, when you think about, like, like I hear people complain about it, and I think, well, go to Hawaii or someplace. You know? Oh, yeah. I, Hawaii, I think, is a lot more expensive. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember, you know what's funny is the prices we have now. I was in Hawaii probably 11 years ago, maybe more. And I remember milk was like $6, you know, $6 for the big tub thing. Ooh. Wow, that's high. But then you look at the prices now, and out here, milk is six dollars a big tub thing now. So I'm like, oh, we caught up to Hawaii, and that was at Costco. For that, oh that, that, that was high, you know, for prices back then. But now, now we've kind of caught up. I kind of laugh about it now. Uh, wow. Jen Martin, to answer your question, is I have four cases right now that I am putting together that we're going to be running prelims on. So we're just starting to get that together. We're short. We're, we're short team members right now. I'm sure uh, two psychics on my team, so I'm trying to fill those spaces. As soon as I fill those spaces, we're gonna we're gonna hit the we're gonna hit the floor running and go chase some ghosts. Excellent. Uh, back on track. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, California's okay. You know, I like it here because you you know even in Sacramento you have all your seasons. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you get you get your fall, you get your you get your winter. Or, it's too cold. To, get this. It's too cold to snow here. Hmm. So all it does is ice and freeze. Okay. So you get all your seasons here. And like where Hawaii, you know, I don't know if I, if I, cause I always want to go to Hawaii, but I, I wonder if I would miss it. You know, cause unless you live like on the big Island, like up in the mountains, mm -hmm. you're not going to get to change the seasons. It's just going to be, you're going to go, you're going to go from spring to summer, spring to summer. Yeah. I'm kind of partial to California. It's just, yeah. just me. I love California. California girl of heart. A lot of people don't like it. And I'm just like, no, you're stupid. <laughs> like California, you know? And the other thing is my dad liked it because he grew up in Cleveland. And so it was snow constantly for him. And so his attitude was he liked it here because it didn't snow. Plus, you know, like, as a kid, you know, when you're a kid, you want to go to snow. And he'd yeah. be like, I'm not taking you. I've noticed I, even though he, he would grudgingly go, but he would be just like, nope, I got away from that stuff. Like he says, he would sit there and laugh when he watched the news. It was terrible, but he would laugh when he watched the news. <laughs> you know? I hear you. I would guess that Hawaii's temp temp temperatures and stuff would be more like Puerto Rico. 
I think so. Yeah. I I don't know though. I think the humidity is probably higher in Puerto Rico. Okay. Maybe. I don't know cuz you know like it's near Florida. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. I always wonder about that kind of thing. I haven't been there in a while. Yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah. what's new with you? You got a new book. <laughs> yeah, it was released uh May 20th. Yeah. About the week before um Memorial Day weekend hit. And, um, you know, we already got some reviews on it. They're all uh, five five stars on Amazon. Cool. So I'm really stoked, really, really enthused about it. It was uh, probably the hardest book to get permissions for because I had more people than normal. The, uh, the book that you read, Charlotte, uh, on Sundays, I only needed one permission. And it was from that uh, lady who's just turned... 92 actually uh just a week ago um she basically told me the entire story since her dad had already passed away obviously um but this particular book that just came out because there's four stories and then there's people within the stories that revealed their own stories i really you know ran around so to speak trying to get all the permissions together mm -hmm. Uh, and what's unique about this book is actually it's a compilation of all the different places um, where I encountered antique dealers who actually were willing to share all the strange stuff that has happened to them. Um, I, I really love antiques, but it depends on what it is, obviously, not the haunted variety, but the more benign variety. But uh, I, I used to go to flea markets, or what you would call swap meets out there in California, uh, since the early 80s. And, um, you know, in, in the process of looking through different things, I kind of learned a lot about, you know, how can you tell if something's real or fake, that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, but on top of that, I met a lot of people who... Um, also ended up buying some things that they were uncomfortable with. Now, I, I wish I actually had more people come forward and were willing to talk about their experiences uh, with these strange, uh, very bizarre, and at, at times kind of alarming uh, mm -hmm. objects. Because there was one case where it was a uh, toy clown. Um, mm -hmm. The woman was not willing to share it. Um, I mean, she shared it with me privately, but she didn't want it put in a book. So what we have here are the four antique dealers that I had known through the years that I frequented. Mm -hmm. uh, one was related to a friend of mine who went to college with me. Uh, and the next book that's coming up uh, after the book I'm writing, I should say, uh, coming up next year has to do with this gentleman that I have known all through the years and the hauntings that he also encountered while living in a Victorian house. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. Well, I can tell you, I, I worked up in Placerville for a year or so, maybe two years. And there was a haunted antique shop there. Never got the opportunity to go in there, but everybody knew about it. Everybody no. in town knew this place was haunted. You know, that the, where was this? Right, right on Main Street in Placerville. On Broadway. Oh. Yeah. Everybody knew, I forget what it was called. I think it was called the Black Rose or something. So something along that line. Mm. Everybody, I mean, anybody you talk to in town that owned a business or anything knew <laughs> that, that 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 place had issues. But then again, every almost every place on Main Street had issues in Placerville. 
But this especially, it was well known for that. But I don't know why they, they I, I never went in there, but I never did. Now, I have my own story about haunted antiques. Tell us. I used to collect, and I still have them, Greek and Roman antiquities. Ooh. Off of eBay. Back in the day, they're, they're more expensive now. The stuff that couldn't be museum pieces because, well, you know, they had cracks in them, so they would fill in the backs. And the museums didn't want them. The pieces were cheap to get. Hmm. So I started collecting amphoras and all these other things and Roman rings and, you know, necklaces and I'll say it, phallic symbols, because that was big in Rome, hmm. and coins. I collected coins. And uh, one of the psychics from the team I was working with came over one day. And she says, you know, there's a man sitting in your dining room and he's dressed in gold and armor and he's got a red plume on his head. And I said, well, what the hell is that? <laughs> I said, it sounds like a centurion is sitting in my dining room. And she says, well, yeah, he's just sitting there. And I said, well, do we know why? No. So she went on her very way and left me with a centurion in my, in my dining room. Another friend mm -hmm. came over who's psychic, saw him sitting on the end of my couch watching TV. Oh, my God. And I gosh. said, well, can we at least find out what, what he wants or what the hell he's doing here? I mean, I knew why. Obviously, the antiquities were here, you know. And uh, according to my friend who, who talked to him, he had had two coins in his eyes that, that when they had dug, a, dug dug around, the people took the coins and I ended up with the coins. <gasps> so you ended up with the coins that used to be on his eyes to close his eyes when he passed yes. away. Yes. Yes. So he's, he was coming for the coins. He wanted, he was upset about the coins. And so, in the middle of all this, he's watching TV. It's Easter time. You know, all those shows are on, right? Making the Romans look bad. And, I'm, and he's sitting on the end of my couch. And, I'm, and I looked at my friend. And I went, oh, my God. He's been real docile and quiet. What if he sees something on here that's going to, you know, upset him? That's just oh. what I need. Yeah. So she talked to him. And it turns out he was, from, he was from the century before that. So, he didn't understand what the whole thing was, you know, what the whole hassle was about. Thank God. But I thought, oh my God, he's been so docile. What, what if he sees something that offends him? And the next thing I know, my, my house is like, you know. So we, she sat down to talk to him and she said, well, he just wants the coins back. And I said, well, how am I supposed to do that? I can't find it. I don't know, you know. And so I have a lemon tree in my backyard. And so I asked him, I said, I can't go to Italy. <laughs> But I, I, but I can bury the coins for you if you want. So I went in and got all my coins, laid them on the table, and then I started grabbing coins. And I said, you know, when, when I touch your coin to put it away, let us know. And so he did. He let me know which coins they were. And I said, well, here's what I can do. I went over to Michael's, and I bought a little box, and I put them in this box. And I said, what if I buried them at the base of my lemon tree? Mm. And he said, okay. And I did, and I've never seen him. I've never, he's never, never been back. But that's what he wanted. So in your backyard, at the base of your lemon tree. <laughs> are two Roman coins in a box. Buried down, yeah. To make a Roman, to make a dead Roman, you know, to, to make a deceased centurion happy. So you have a relic in your backyard. I do. 
your beautiful backyard that's probably all lit up now with palm Not trees. It, it, it'll, it'll be lit up in a week, but yeah. So he has a happy view too. You know, he sits back so he can watch the palm trees, the torches, and you know, and all that. But yeah. But the, the neat thing was about it is that he, he wasn't angry or anything. I mean, he was just, he, he liked to observe the family. He liked the family. So he would observe us all. That's all he would do is sit there and observe. But I That's remember cool. he would follow me out to the car and I'd have to explain what the heck the car was. <laughs> you know, I said, well, it's, it's it's like a chariot, but there's no horses. The chariot runs by itself. You know, I'm trying, I'm trying to explain to this guy, you know. But, I mean, at least he was decent. It, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. <laughs> you know. Well, it, you didn't get a bad vibe. It was no. more like a good vibe. He was a good vibe. And that's what they kept saying. Both psychics told me. They said, oh, he just likes to sit and observe, uh, you know, look at your family, watch your family. He, yeah. he, he enjoys it. And I thought, okay. But it was creepy because but before I buried the, you know, the stuff, you know, before I knew about the coins, I knew he was sitting over there in this chair. And every time I'd walk by, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> that's good. Just stay there, dude, you know. But I still have all my antiquities. Cool. <laughs> But you didn't get a vibe from any of the others. No more other issues, but I, I still yeah. have a bunch of antiquities that I collected over the years. See, I, I think they're rare. I mean, it, it's not like it's commonplace to have something that's, you know, inhabited or. Right. The, the last show I was in, I, I was asked the difference between cursed versus haunted objects. And I, I was going to ask you what you thought of it before I, I, you know, I mean, I, I this is just on the top of my head that I'm thinking, and you, tell me if you agree. Haunted is the spirit or the soul of whoever it is has passed on is attached right. to the object. So it could, you could have an apparition or you could have some activity around the object. Right. Now, cursed, my interpretation of cursed is that when the person was alive and owned the object, mm -hmm. they put some kind of intention on it. Like they, they didn't want to let it go. So they figure, hey, anybody who wears this, for instance, a necklace, anyone who wears this necklace or whatever, like the, uh, I forget what it's called now. It's like a diamond that goes on the crown, the royal right. crown, the Elizabeth. If it's a man that wears it, something bad happens to them. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. And then they pass on, and somehow the energy of the intention mm -hmm. of the original owner somehow lingers mm -hmm. onto the object. I mean, that's my homegrown interpretation. Yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds about right. Okay. Um. Yeah, just like with this guy, there, there was no curse or anything on there. It was just he was upset because the coins had been removed out of his eyes. Mm -hmm. you know, There's no biggie with it. And I'm sure maybe some of that other stuff has a connect, has some kind of connection to it too. But whatever, it, you know, if, if it does, it's, it's benign. Because I got a lot of stuff in there. Mm. You know, like I got glass perfume bottles. Yeah. And things like that. You know, so I'm sure there's there, there, there's other fun people running around my house. But um, <laughs> you have an interesting house. People in togas running through my house. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But um, you know, the, 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 they seem to be benign. So as long as, as long as they don't scare me, I'm good. You know, and I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. 
Well, that's not the only thing. My mom and dad bought a, t- a table that I, not a swap meet, but they got it from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Dining room table, and there's nothing attached to that. What happened? I gotta have. Now you just know what's there. You can feel it when you're in the dining room. And then I have another thing <laughs> uh, that I found out. Um, and this was weird because I have like a divider between my live my living room and my kitchen. And so you gotta walk past there. And there's like a there's a, like a little hall area in my in my dining room. And <laughs> as I started doing paranormal investigating, my psychic abilities got better. <laughs> <laughs> and so as I would walk past this, walk through this area, I'd see somebody leap out trying to grab me. A shadow? Um, a being, just a, a person. A, per- <laughs> a person, person. Like a movie, yeah. You know. And Jeez. I got real fast, though. I got real fast by getting through there. And as it turns out, and I don't he's still there. And, uh, there's this gentleman that, some, one of the psychics told me, that before the house was here, because this was old river bottom. This was old river. He had been fishing and he fell uh-huh. and bled to death and didn't realize that he was gone. So he kind of went, you know, loopy. Ooh. So he's forever there. He walks, he walks from one end to the other of the house. Jeez. But he stopped jumping on at me because I have, I have other ghosts in here that keep him at bay. <laughs> but, you know, relatives. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got real fast uh, to, to go through that area. I'd, I'd go, you know, I'd be running through that area because I would see him reach out for me. It's a busy house. Jeez. Maybe you like the armoire that uh, is in my uh, family's old ancestral home. <laughs> I have enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> Do you remember when I sent you that photo? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you, you saw something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have a new dog that I've had that's been here since February. She likes now. She likes to get up on the back of the couch. There's something up in the corner. Oh. Because she gets on, the, and that's all she does. She stares back there. It's unnerving as heck. And it's like, what are you staring at? She's forever getting up there. It's like, don't do that. Just get down. I don't care if it's there. Just, just don't. You know. It's a happening house. Always oh happening. Gosh. <laughs> Maybe a former dog. It might be. It might be a former dog, but whatever it is, it's up high and she's forever looking over, you know, like doing this on the back of the couch and she's up on her hind legs. <laughs> See, the second story in my book, I'll tell you, and I won't, I won't do any spoilers here. So that would have been a good, that would have been a good candidate for your book. That one. Yeah. I, I know <laughs> you should have told me before. <laughs> I mean, it's about 300 pages. We could always make it 350, you know? Never <laughs> ever buy coins that were in Roman, dead Roman, Roman men's eyes. That's the motto. Yeah, I like that one. That is really unusual. Truly unusual. But I tell you, I, I don't know. The first case that I had where I had talked to this lady mm-hmm. and interviewed her, and, and they're still in business. Um. She had bought this urn, Uh-oh. which is about approximately three feet high. And she had gone to Krakow, Poland, to an antique store. They were, it was the usual trip that they take to Europe 
She and her husband were both antique dealers. They were going there to acquire some stuff. But she also collects something they call the blue and white porcelain, which is, you know, like a, they call it a chinoiserie. Yes. So it's all very pretty. You know, sometimes it has Chinese characters. Sometimes it's got dragons. It's got birds, all kinds of stuff. I have a little uh, collection, but nothing like hers. I mean, I have like maybe seven little pieces you can hold in your hand. She, on the other hand, collects the ones that go on the floor and on the ground outside because she has this courtyard, this garden. So anyway, she really loved this one urn that she found in this antique store in Krakow. So the husband says, okay, well, we'll get it shipped back because it's three feet high, right? So let's get it shipped back, yada, yada, yada. Come to find out, it didn't really come from Poland. It came from another country where there was some kind of a massacre for you know people who were really affluent and they confiscated everything and they murdered the owners of all these things. But I won't give it away. To make a long story short, she ends up getting it delivered. And Charlotte, I kid you not, she said that the wrapping must have been like three or four different, you know, the bubble wrap. Right. The kind you poke and, and it cracks. The fun kind. The what? The fun kind. Yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, it and on top of that, it had newsprint, you know. To make a long story short, it came as a huge box. It sat in the family room or the drawing room, as they call it, off of the garden. And they left it there because they were heading out and having dinner in the other side of the house. We're talking about a big house. The housekeeper sees the dog running around towards the garden and back to the drawing room. There was something that was attacking the box and it wasn't the dog. It was tearing at the box. Wow. No one has any idea how this creature got in because the whole house is like a compound. I guess there's like a wall Mm -hmm. that's around the garden, around the courtyard. So unless it went through the front door and the, they said the whole place was secure because when they sit down to dinner, they're technically at the other end of the house. Mm-hmm. So they have no idea how this creature com- came in and it was tearing at the box. Wow. And it left soot all over the carpeting. And when they came in, I mean, they were obviously terrified. They came in, they saw that it had kind of punctured a hole and it was eating its way through. So you could see part of the urn on the inside. So that begins the first story. Do you have any idea what that is? Because I know they they don't. They, uh, it, it was very uncanny they had a bernice mountain dog yeah and the husband and wife swears that it was larger 
than the Bernice Mountain Dog. It, it didn't attack anybody. Right. It, it kind of dissipated, they said. Dissipated is the word they used. And it went out into the garden. And later on, it reappeared. It almost sounds like a, um, I don't know why mine's like yellow, like one of those wolfman things that they have out. What is that? Like a skinwalker almost. Yeah. That's what it almost sounds like. And aren't they supposed to be like shapeshifters, those things? Yeah. yeah. It was pretty terrifying for them because they had never seen anything like it. The dog was, you know, obviously they were very protective of the dog. The housekeeper was very close to the dog. They were very concerned it would eat the dog, whatever it was. And then later on, as they went to bed, they had left the urn. They had completely unwrapped it now. And there was like this dirt, this soot all over the ground. They had to clean that up. And then they took the urn and they plunked it right next to all the other urns and, you know, ginger jars and stuff like that. And thought nothing more of it. They figure, okay, we have no idea where that creature went. And the husband had seen it. And he said, I have no idea what it is. But it was out in the garden. And then they went hunting for it. And it was like, where did it go? Mm-hmm. It just disappeared. So they locked everything up. They went to bed. The wife wakes up in the middle of the night. She sensed something was looking down at her. She opens her eyes and it was the housekeeper. Yikes. And she said, what, what are you doing over here? And then she got up and, and the housekeeper wasn't there. She looks over at her husband. He's asleep. She comes out into the hallway trying to figure out why was the housekeeper looking down at me? And then there was the urine in the hallway on the second floor. Wow. Oh, yeah. Jerry Bezer says hellhound. Yeah, that sounds like a hellhound. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what was in the urn, you know, something that, <laughs> you know, it makes me think back to that book I read that of yours. Which one? The one I read online, live, with the dog, you know, that dog? Yeah. That this thing may have been, because you talk about the soot. Yeah. And like you talk about Poland. Yeah. You know, in a different country and. Well, I see where that's going, you know, and it makes me wonder if this dog wasn't, or whatever this thing is, wasn't a dog or something at one of the camps. I don't know. Because when you think about the whole ash thing, you see what I'm saying? With the yeah. ash? Yeah. You know, that maybe this thing was feeding, you know, because, you know, and I'm, I'm going to bring this up, but I'm probably going to get nailed somewhere. But I, I, I had read books on those camps. And how mm. they, they would boil the remains. Oh, gosh. Of people. Yeah. And it makes you wonder when you talk about this. Yes, yeah, sounds demonic, Jerry. And you talk about this, that maybe this dog, this animal or whatever it was survived by eating off the bones of the remains or something. And oh, I remember been, now. Yeah, this might have been one of the people that, you know, had not on at one time. 
you know, because when you talk about the ash, because that, that 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 kind of runs with that area that kind of runs in with with, with the ovens. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's what popped in my head. The strange thing is they never were able to figure out what the ash was. See? She said it was one of those things where first thing, it was all over the place. Uh -huh. It clung to her jeans. It was all over the carpet. You know, they, they cleaned it up and everything. But you would think, you know, you put your clothing in the laundry or whatever, you would have it. And she said when, when the housekeeper was putting stuff in the laundry, it was like, it's all gone. That's crazy, yeah. See, it might have had to link back to the camps. I don't know, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying, because it just yeah. seems kind of weird. And like that that book you well, I read, you know, that's where that dog was. It was over by where the bodies were and all that, you know, when when uh, he fed when, when when he found it, you know, so yeah. it could be a similar situation because the dog had to eat some at some point. But and I might, and who knows? We don't know what they're what what an animal's heaven's like or what an animal's hell is like. Yeah, you know, who knows? But I'm just saying, it's it just that's what popped in my head. That it was like that's creepy. They they never knew what was in the urn either. Uh yeah. <laughs> See, the strangest thing about this, and I, you know, I, I have to say that a lot of times when you're purchasing and you're looking at things. When you really like something, it, it's kind of like you walk into a house and you love the house so much, you really don't examine it in detail. One or two things right. really make you fall in love with it. And you don't, they did not open the lid of the urn. And she said it was unusual for her to do that. But one of the things that was different about this was that you had to turn it. You had to twist it to get it open. So I said, so this is not a ginger jar. Because if, if you if you think about what a ginger jar is, you're supposed to store ginger in there. So you don't really have to have it secure. Right. It doesn't have to have the grooves. You just pick it up, you know, and, and a lot of times people will tape it to make right. sure it doesn't fall and break. This one was not taped because it was secure. You you can turn it. And he said that they had to use force to try and open it, to pry it open. And I said, well, what did that suggest to you? <laughs> Hello. Yeah. And, and so it, one of the things that happened was it got wrapped and, Whoever sold it to them was very happy to get rid of it. Of course they were. And then I it became <laughs> a challenge trying to get rid of it. Like the Dimmick box, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I can tell you guys, honestly, when, when I was a reporter on beat, I got to spend a day in a funeral home. So when they seal off an urn, they will super glue or whatever they had back then. I'm saying, you know, whatever the counter that was, they will glue the urn, the top of the urn shut so that nothing leaks out of the urn. So by them having to pry that thing off, <laughs> that would have been a sign right there that <laughs> where that sucker came from. <laughs> 
But you know what? That wasn't scary. I saw the look on your face. It wasn't scary. It was a thing where it was. I had to spend a day with a professional, and I thought, well, I'm a ghost hunter anyway. You know, I'll go to the funeral. And I remember walking in there. There were bodies in there, you know, ready for their wakes and all this. And she says, well, are, does this freak you out? I said, I kind of laughed, and I said, no, you know why? She said, why? Because I get them 200 years after you do. You know, because usually I, I get these 1,800 ghosts. You know, there's a whole, you know. And then I got to see body cremated even. Ooh. But, you know, as a ghost hunter, you realize, yeah, but see, that's the thing. As a ghost hunter, when you've done this long enough, you start to realize that the, that, that, that the people that are dead, they're no longer there. Those are just shells. And as a, as, a, as a crime court reporter, when I was on the beat, I, I saw a lot of fatal accidents. So it occurs so to you, like, like on this particular one, I'm, I'm looking at this woman eye to eye, and I'm realizing it's not her. She's no longer there. So, so you get that reality. But yeah, I can't. I got. I, I got to read more of your book because this is cool. That story is about yeah, the Willies. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's one of those things where. As I was recording and writing down what people were telling me, I was getting so creeped out. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to have to keep writing this whole thing during the day. You know, because I also write at night. <laughs> uh, I actually had a book that I wrote at night, and, and that really kept me up. I mean, I couldn't sleep. So one of the stories in this volume was one where I refrained from writing. And it. And when I say well, I refrained from writing, I refrained from writing it at sundown. Okay. I would get up early in the morning and make sure I was writing it during the day. I wanted to ask you about that. Do you, I mean, have you run into a story yet where when you have been writing it, things have happened? I ran into a potential story, and this was told to me probably just about a month ago before I started writing this current book. Mm -hmm. uh, a gentleman who is actually an investigator related to me a case, and I, I can't really elaborate on where it is because I don't have permission, but it's an active case. But just in telling me, um, I, I felt something change in the room. We were on the phone, and this is really creepy, Charlotte, and, and, and this is why I declined writing it. Um, the gentleman was telling me some details about the case, and it got to the point where they were inside the house, and whatever malevolence was in there had confronted him. And right then and there, as he was relating this to me, something changed in the vibe of the room that I was in. And this was at night. Oh, yeah. So I never had that kind of feeling before. And Charlotte, once you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you get yeah. that feeling, you just don't keep the conversation going. I, I said, okay, if this is active and you're having difficulty closing this, I don't think we should touch it. 
Oh, I can tell there you. There was another. Go ahead. Um, California Haunts started out as a public access TV show. That's what oh. we were. We came out the same time as Ghost Hunters. And so I used to film another team doing ghost hunts, and there was this particular location, which I'm highlighting for us for plug myself on TikTok right now. And this one particular location, and this one particular ghost in this place literally was like a stage manager runs the place. Very stern. And so I did my filming, and a couple of times he came through one of the psychics and told me what he thought of me filming. So I took all my videotape home, and I started to edit. Could not get it edited. Something always was going wrong with it. It would oh, disappear. Geez. You know, all this stuff. I got up one day and went to use the restroom, and I had a stack of the tapes sitting on the table, and they all went flying. Jeez. And to this day... Yeah, and to this day, if I had to yell at him, you know, five. It took it took months to get the video done. When it should have only taken like two weeks. And I started because I, I decided I'm going to be highlighting on TikTok. I'm going to be hi highlighting haunted locations on TikTok. You know, with the evidence that we've gotten. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to start with that place. And it took me four hours to produce. And then this is just telling the story mm -hmm. of the place and what has occurred in there. It took me four hours to produce a five-minute video because the computer was crashing. All this other stuff was going wrong, and it was him. So yeah, like you say, you know what that reminds me of. You know what that reminds me of, Charlotte. Did I ever tell you the story about that creature that? Um, his family encountered back in 1962. It looks just like a Mothman. Wow. I don't know if I ever told you that one. I don't think I heard that. This was an old case. I mean, I myself was too young to really remember. I went back and got the information together from the people who knew the family, including the woman who's still alive today who actually saw this creature. And there's a big debate on whether this is something that's actually, um, you know, the big D word. I don't even want to say it. <laughs> or is it Mothman? Or is it a thought form? So one of the things that I found interesting is that if someone wasn't religious at all or didn't believe in, you know, the devil or anything like that, they said, oh, it's it's Mothman. Uh, you know, it because it looks just like Mothman, it flies like Mothman, and it presents like until in this particular situation, uh, the guy who was being infested was being visited by this creature outside this window for several months. The wife had never seen it until one night she did. She took a cross from the wall and she had the courage to actually confront it and walk towards the window. And the creature effervesced and covered its eyes with its wings and started going down. This is a second floor window, started going downwards and dissipating. Wow. Every time. 
I tell that story with the exception of tonight. I've noticed that difference. Every time I would tell that story on the air, it never fails. Something goes wrong with the sound or the video or both. Wow. wow. I believe it. I believe it. In fact, you know, a lot of people, what they don't realize is that when you talk about demonic things, you know, demonic creatures, they always think of the, you know, the, the, the major demonic things. But with the work that I've done over the years, there are so many demonic creatures, low-level ones, mm-hmm. that people don't even realize exist. They can't do as much damage as the high-level ones, but they're there. Yeah. And, you know, when, when, when you talk about things that might look like the Mothman or whatever, it would be a lower-level one. You know, you don't know. And that's the thing, that, that's, that's what makes it so hard to do this, you know, and investigate and do this stuff and deal with these things because you just don't know what what exactly level you're dealing with until something <laughs> something goes drastically wrong during the investigation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how, that's, and and that's I think... Like... Go ahead. What's that? I lost you. That sounds a lot like what I was going through here. I mean, it's like... The audio would go down, the video would go down, you know, things would get lost. I'd have I'd have whole strips of video done, boom, gone. You know, and I've heard people tell me that write books such as yourself, that they have done, you know, that they've done chapter upon chapter that they've gotten on the roll to write, get up the next morning and it's all gone, no reason. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be careful. Yeah. I I think that the interesting part about this, too, is that it makes you, at least for me personally, it made me more religious. Yes. I was not really much into going to church, much into, you know, saying the rosary and things of that nature. And what I've noticed is that since I started writing, and even when I was still writing screenplays, because that's what I used to do, when I did something that was supernatural in nature, because I also did sci-fi, I found myself gravitating towards attending a mass, mm-hmm. saying the rosary. It was almost like I needed that circle of protection. And, and there's a big difference, because I'm, I'm writing, I'm more concentrated, but I don't sense anything around me mm-hmm. except me, <laughs> right, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. But yeah. as a rule, I, I try not to write at night. I mean, I could talk, you know, about stuff at night. Sure. Um, one time I remember I was interviewed for a podcast that happened to start at midnight Um, and because the whole household was already sleeping, I went out to the patio, took my laptop with me and I sit, I I literally, I'm only 50 yards from the woods back there. And it was the creepiest thing, Charlotte, because the topic came up with the Mothman like creature, that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I was so short of just running inside the house and closing the door at some point. 
No, I, I agree with you. In fact, when I go over EVPs or any kind of paranormal evidence, I won't do anything after 10 p.m. Because it just gets to the point where, yeah, you know, you get so into it, you lose track of time, and the next thing you know, it's that it's that witching hour when things can happen. But I have had stuff go bump in the night when I'm, yeah. when I'm doing evidence review. No thanks. No thanks. Yeah. Never done that. Yeah. But with you sitting outside yeah. by the woods, that, that would freak me out. Yeah. I mean, the atmosphere was complete. It was, I'm trying to think of whether it was only audio or video. I think it was only audio, but people could sense, I think, in my voice when they replayed it in the archive. You know, there was a sense of tension because I was actually talking about something, you know, that's very dark in a very dark area. I only had two spotlights on me and then just yards away, the woods began and it was, you could see me fleeing inside the house, you know, locking the door, <laughs> yeah, but it's, you. it's not, it's not a joke. I, I, <laughs> I, I rarely talk about it. See, I tell everybody I'm afraid of the dark been like this all my life and so for me to sit outside in the woods you know by the woods like that mm -hmm. no not gonna happen mm -mm. i'm not one of these investigators you're gonna lock into a, a, a dark room and leave me in there i don't like the dark well it makes sense i mean yeah it, it, you can't you can't see no and, and all the bad things seem to happen in the dark that's right that's right. So, yeah, I don't do the dark. Even here, there's always a TV on. There's always a light on somewhere. Always. Never fails. No, 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 no. Then when I watch the dogs react to things that aren't there, that really gets me, you know. Here I am a bit. That noise is an interesting thing. Hey, big bad paranormal investigator. Right. People wonder why right. I like to sit at the monitors. I'm like, no, I'll stay at the monitor. I'm good. I used to be the heavy hitter, the one that went in, and when, when there was something nasty, I'm the one that went after it, back in the old days. I'm too old for that now. That's why I have young people on my team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, back in the day when I used to do UFO investigating, I tell you, it, I would go out there. I only had the dogs with me. Yeah. And people would say, my gosh, you know, what if something happened? I said, my dogs are my early warning system. They're the ones that tell me if something has gone wrong. Yeah. And then I back yeah. out. I mean, I'm, I'm not foolish. I'm not going to go out there in the dark with a flashlight if they're, you know, barking away. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I remember the night the tree fell on my house over here. and. You know, I've been through so many investigations. You know, like 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 you have that sleep paralysis thing where you'll wake up, you'll hear noises. Ooh. But you don't know where the noises are from. It's just like, you know, uh, a sleep paralysis thing. So when that thing fell, it sounded like a bowling ball hit, hit, hit my kitchen floor. And so I got up and looked around. And I didn't find anything. So I thought, oh, God, it's paranormal. I'm going to bed. Good night. Leave me alone. Went back to bed. Woke up the next day. There's a tree on my house. But I mean, that's how I am. That's how I've trained myself. 
Unbelievable. 25 years of investigating. This is what you end up as. You know. I wanted to add, Charlotte, that yeah. unlike the last book you read, this book, because it's got five stories, it lends itself to kind of like shorter vignettes. Okay. So no, you'll have, what's no that? German, no German? No German. <laughs> no German, no. <laughs> it's all in English. I love that. And that's the extent of the German I know. <laughs> I know no, it's, I would say. I'd look up and I'd say, here we go, German. I try to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I love that book. In fact, I, you know, I'm still I'm rereading the book. I love that book. I tell everybody I know about that Thank book. You. Thank you. Thank you. I did not see that in this book. I mean, go ahead. I did not see the end of that book coming. It was great. So when you saw the last part, when you read the last part, was it clear to you what had happened by the time she walked into the farm? Yes. No, okay. the part that got me, well, what was clear was when she was eating the bread. You know, when she started to go back in the woods and she was eating the bread and the bread was molded. Mm -hmm. And oh, you know, oh. oh, okay. That, 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 yeah. that was the twist. When, when I knew it was twisting that way, I just thought, wow. Hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. That would be my luck. I'd be all hungry. Somebody give me bread. I'm out there stuffing it in with both hands. And then, ew. <laughs> now, what did you make of the dog? Do you think the dog was alive? I don't think so. You didn't think the dog was alive? No, I didn't think the dog was alive. So you think the dog was just a ghost? I think the dog was a ghost that was there to help guide him, yeah. Well, now I don't want to tell you whether the the dog was alive or not. I'll reread it, okay? I'll, I'll restudy it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great book. That was like everybody says it was a great book. I mean, everybody loved it. You know, that's how awesome. Take, how long did it take you to to get your stuff to, to get your research done and everything for for this new book? I think the interview. There was one long interview and then there was a series of short interviews because I had to verify all the facts from her to kind of like get a through line of the entire story. Because she would tell me about her childhood and then she would flash up to when she was already in the woods. And right. so I was missing right. details. So finally, through that process, I would say probably about a month and a half just interviewing her. And it was like over a few weeks in snatches when she was available, when I was available. Um, and then writing itself took about four months. Okay. Okay. 
that's a, I mean, it's, 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 I have nothing but good things to say about that book. And I can't wait to really dig into the heirloom book. I'm really excited about now, that. Now, this one, this one is a, di a bit different because... You know, I, I had to really get into, whereas the, the one you read on the air, I only had to get into one person's head. And, and you probably know this from my style of writing. I, I like to get into the person's head and have them kind of like really explain what they went through in experiencing this object that they never thought they would encounter. Right. Um, and in the process, there was the store manager in one of the stories that was also involved. She also had permission to speak. I also had to think about, okay, what kind of personality did she have, uh, you know, versus a landlord that was involved in the story because he knew the history and he wasn't going to let on about what he knew about the back alley, uh, which was also involved in the story. Um, there was one where they were traveling uh, from one state to the other. And, and I can be honest about the states. It was coming from Connecticut to Rhode Island and then Rhode Island back to Connecticut. Uh, and the creepy part of it is they had to haul this barrister's bookcase all the way from Providence, Rhode Island and into Fairfield County in Connecticut. Okay. Uh, and in the process, there were so many, kind of like your taping, you know, there were so many things that happened during that road trip that you could tell something was really trying to get them not to get there, short of an accident. So the, the longest process there is actually talking to the other people who were involved in that, uh, you know, and, and trying to gauge when they were available and things of that nature. But the main pe people that I got the stories from really provided me with their, you know, I, I could tell what their personality was like because I'd known them for a long time. But then there's other people I didn't know as well. So I had to talk to them extensively. So in, from the point of view of research, this current one had more in terms of interviewing and piecing together the personalities of the people involved. Interesting. I just find it fascinating because it used to be that TV show on a long time ago, Friday the 13th. And yeah. it was always about this place called Curious Goods, if you remember it. And it was an antique oh. shop that sold haunted stuff. That's why when you said you were going to write this book, I thought, wow, that sounds like Curious Goods. Yeah, the little shop of horrors. Yeah, there you go, you know. That's right, yeah. guys. Yeah. Go shop and be careful what you buy if it's used. It may call out to you, but it may call out to you for a reason. I got another story for you that happened recently. Okay. It's not in the book. It's my own personal um, uh, experience. You know, I still go to these antique stores, and, and now I go to the ones closer by, closer to home. And I happen to have, um, you know, there's a, a village that has all kinds of antiques that's only maybe 20 minutes from me. So I happen to wander there one Saturday 
and it was probably about 3 or 4 p.m. You know, some of these antique stores stay open into the evening, you know, especially during tourist season. And, and some close earlier than others, as you'll be able to tell from the book. So I walked into one, um, and I was particularly interested in this piece of porcelain. And it was made in Japan back in 1921, which is pretty old. Mm -hmm. So that's 100 years now since we're in, you know, 2022. Mm -hmm. So I approached it. It was sitting on the shelf of a four shelf, what appeared to look like a bookcase. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like an open shelving. There was no back to it. There was all sorts of other figurines, you know, gobles and whatever else. So it kind of looked delicate. And I was examining it and I leaned over and it was a tray about a foot long. And within the tray, I have it downstairs, within the tray, there's six little containers that were also made of the same porcelain. And it's a very thin, very delicate porcelain. And I wanted to see the bottom to see if it was authentic. So I walked over to one of the ladies. And she happened to be the person person that was well-versed in porcelain just by happenstance. She was working that day and she said, okay, show me um, which room. Cause there were multiple rooms. So I walked back into the room and I approached the bookcase and there was the, they call it Nippon ware. They don't call that anymore. So it, it dated itself as 1921. And I said, I, I want to see this. I'm thinking about getting it as a gift for a friend of mine who loves antiques and collect porcelain. And she said, yes. She said, let me just take one of the little containers. It was like a three by three. And it had all these florets all around. She turned it over. She showed me that it was dated and it had the mark to show that it was real. Then she slowly puts it back and she said, did you feel anything? Now, remember, I hardly if anything, go into this shop. This is probably the first time, actually, mm -hmm. that I'd been to this one particular shop. So I've never met this lady before in my life. She doesn't know anything about me. I don't know anything about her. And the first question she asked me is, did you feel anything as you approached this bookcase? which I thought was an interesting question in light of the stuff I was writing at the time because I was, you know, in the process of finishing up the book. And she said, did anything move? And I said, I didn't feel anything. And no, I didn't see anything move. Now, I think other people would have been looking at her like, is something wrong with you? Right. But I got her meaning. <laughs> and I said, nothing moved and I didn't really feel anything. And she said, I just wanted to let you know that there had been people coming in here browsing. And when they approached 
reached this bookcase, things fell. And we broke a few things from this bookcase. Wow. Yeah. So instantly knowing, and, and I was leaving, I was leaving for Europe on the same week. I was just looking at that thinking, I'm going to get this out of the way because I know things are more expensive over there. I'm going to get this gift now before yeah. I leave. I come back, I'll wrap, have it wrapped. And she said to me, are you concerned about anything? Do you feel anything? You know, she was really quizzing me. And I said, no, is there something wrong with the porcelain that I I'm a try. In other words, is there something I should know about what I want to buy? Right. And she said, no, honey. She said, it's not the porcelain you want to buy. It's the bookcase itself that it's sitting on. And I said, good. <laughs> <laughs> so she took it, you know, I mean, it allowed her to take whatever it was. And then she said, let's just go. And, and I'm looking as we're walking away i'm looking at the bookcase wondering if anything will fall but i thought it was interesting synchronicity yeah that is interesting i had a case of vallejo and this woman liked to go antique shopping and very seldom does a psychic scare me <laughs> and we go in this woman's bedroom and she had this um oh a bureau closet thing what it had drawers, you know, it had a closet thing on top with mirror and drawers and drawers at the bottom of it. Psychic walks in and she says, Oh my god. And I said, Well, what? She says, Don't you see it? No, I see blood. Oh, what are you talking about? She says, Body parts shoved in the drawers. He chopped them up and put them in the drawers. And I said, are you sure about this? I mean, this is <laughs> this is somebody's house, right? And she said, yeah. I, I can still hear her voice when she's describing it. She says, oh, my God, man. It's, just, it's, it's horrible. It's the children. He chopped the children up and put them in those drawers. Hmm. And so I did some research on it. It turns out four antique shops ago, because it got passed from antique shop to antique shop to antique shop. Back to the 1800s, this happened. Well, this guy went crazy and chopped his family up. Oh. And then the client looks at me and says, I guess I should get rid of it, huh? <laughs> well, no, really? You know, to keep it for fun, you know. So I, I think she finally got oh. rid of it. But to have a psychic walk in, first thing, you know, take one look and go, oh, my God, there's blood, there's blood, there's blood over there. Oh, my gosh. Got to be careful when you buy stuff, folks. <laughs> You know, there's a there is a hotel. Well, it's not quite a hotel yet. It was an Airbnb, and it it was a huge mansion. And at one time, it entertained a lot of people. And apparently, the story goes when they try to renovate this mansion that was built in the 1750s. People were seeing and experiencing some really, really gory things. 
like a person burning to death for one. Uh, there was, once again, there's an animal involved. Um, and, and you could see it, it's just the head looking through the window. But one of the things you mentioned, blood. There was a, a tub in the attic. And a gentleman who was trying to clear the attic to get it ready to sell whatever was up there or utilize for the furniture, because they were renovating the whole thing. The tub had blood all over it. Wow. I mean, he couldn't tell what it was. It was jet black by then. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Violence. I think violence really leaves an imprint. Yes. And you probably have seen the kind of stuff that happens when there's a lot of tragedies that are happening within one spot. Mm -hmm. I think of Gettysburg. Yeah, that's boy, that, that, that's active. Ooh, that whole area. Oh, yeah. 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 It's what people don't understand is that objects... Everything's made of molecules. It's hard for people to wrap their head around that, but that's why wood can retain energy. You know, like you say, the bathtub, that's going to retain energy. You know, it's, it's just, you know, if something happens over and over in a certain place, that is, that's why you get these, these, these playbacks with these ghosts that don't acknowledge you, you know, the ones that are walking down the halls. It's just that energy is stuck there. And people don't realize that, that, that that's what happens when there's a lot of trauma. Violence, things like that. Yeah. How do you cleanse that, Charlotte? You have to go through. It depends. It depends on, on, on if it's Native American or whatever it is. You know, there's certain ways to cleanse it. But you have to go through. And Sabrina had one of the best theories about it. Like, when you ran into someone like that, like a negative like that, an older person that was stuck in that kind of group, and if it works, she would say, give him a flower. Hmm. And it would work. You know, would you say... Does it... Huh? I'm, I'm, I missed the last part. She would give him a flower uh -huh. and send over calming thoughts. And it would work. Oh? I used to think it was funny, but then oh. she taught me how to do that. And when you run into a negative, like uh, not so much a negative, but so, but you run into a spirit like that who's stuck, you know, in, in a in a traumatic situation. If you give him a flower, it calls him down. Because you can, hmm. you give it to him. You imagine how the, how nice the flower smells in your mind, and pass mm -hmm. that on to whoever whoever's there, and it makes them happy and calms everything down. Wow. But there's other ways to do it. I mean, you can go through sage. If you get a shaman in there, a shaman can, you know, cleanse it. Mm -hmm. But you have to, like, you know, you have to. Hello, Kelly. Hello, everybody. Oh, you got a fan. Kelly Seal says she absolutely loves your stories. What did she say? She says, I absolutely love your stories, Anna Maria. 
Is this Jerry? This is. Hang on a second. Let me get in there. I can't even read the damn thing. All right, let me blow this up. Hang on, guys. This is Katie Seal. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'm so blind. I I have temporary contacts in, so they're not the best, guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry you can't read it. <laughs> I can't see it from where I am. I need like a 65 foot screen, a 65 inch screen in front of me right now. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, no. <laughs> I got this tiny picture. Yeah. Right here. And then yeah. you have this this thing running on the bottom and it can hardly see it. Yeah. See, I can tell you, I can see the words, but some of them, some of them kind of blurry. I don't have the right color because I have a stigma. I have astigmatism. So the contacts I have right now are enough for me to see clearly to drive and things like that. But beyond that, mm -hmm. I can't you know? I think I got the same problem you do here. Because I'm far-sighted and I got my glasses on. Yeah. Oh, Jerry says I love I yeah. love your stories too. You have fans everywhere. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> oh my. See? Everybody loves loves it when you're on. <laughs> Did I tell you about the lithograph in the book? No, you did not. Tell me about the lithograph. Okay. So halfway through, you're going to meet this gentleman. And he's a sweetheart. He, I mean, he's obviously retired now. Uh, he moved to, actually, he's moved to your state. Um, but anyway, uh, way back in the day, and this was in the late 90s, early 2000, he had an antique store in Maine. And when he was there, he had two good friends. You know, it was a couple, couple friends. He and his wife would get together with them. And one evening, they ended up uh, giving them a gift, which they didn't expect. And that's how the story begins. He was still very puzzled to this day why they ended up giving him this gift. And when they opened it, it was framed and it was a lithograph. And it was, if you know what a lithograph is, it's done by plates. You take this surface and then you imprint some kind of ink surface on top and you create a picture. So this lithograph, which you can frame, uh, actually had a picture background of a castle. And then in the foreground, there was a child. And he opened it. And he said, this looks very valuable, antique, yada, yada, yada. And what happened was a lot of things started happening. A lot of bad things started happening. And one involved his elderly parents who had just come over recovering from the hospital and they never made it. So, and he looks back on what was the commonality there. And it was because they saw something in the picture. 
The picture does not burn. It won't tear. It's almost indestructible. He took it to the antique shop just to get it away from their house. He called the friend who used to be the best friend, the couple friend, and said, why did you give this to us? And the guy never returned his phone calls. Wow. So the impression he got was they also had an antique shop that they were trying to figure out a way to sell it, probably couldn't, and they just gifted it to them. Nice. So the misfortune followed them. Nice and people. I had never seen, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying nice people. Yeah, they're, uh, it was kind of like a feeling of you're best friends with us. We've known you for years. We're both dealers. We both have our shops. Why would you do this to us? It almost cost them the business because whoever walked in and saw something never came back when they looked at that photograph or whatever that was, lithograph. And he wanted to keep it out of the house. He didn't really want to sell it because he didn't want anybody to fall into what was happening to them. He kept it in the back of the shop, hanging on the wall. He didn't know what to do with it. So one day his wife comes home early from work and she goes into the living room and guess what she finds? It's on the wall. Wow. It's back on the living room wall. So she calls him and says, hey, uh, <laughs> I thought you said you brought this over to the shop to get it out of the house. And he said, what are you talking about? It's, uh, it's here. No, it's not. He looks over, stands up from his desk, goes over to the other room, and there it is. It's hanging in the wall in the antique shop. Wow. And she said, no, it's hanging right here. That's creepy. Yeah, I mean, I... How do you sleep at night after writing this stuff up? <laughs> I think it was more like trying to get their story together that I was focusing on. <laughs> but when you when you read this one you you can get a a real feel of what happened after after talking to him i really am very reluctant to look at even prints you know old magazines life magazine right. cover i am very reluctant to to collect anything like that because this thing tormented him for months and months and months. Wow. You know what I don't like? I don't like those old, those old paintings where it looks like the, the, the eyes are following you. 
Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, it's weird that you say that. I took a tour one time of this place, and you know how they used to paint life-size portraits of the owners? And they put them on the stairs. You know, they're wearing gowns and fancy hairstyle. And I don't know what period that was when they used to wear wigs and things. And they would look very austere looking right at the painter. But the, the strange thing is, like you said, you're, you're walking around. Can you imagine if that was in your bedroom and you were trying to sleep and you open your eyes and they're staring at you? That's creepy because, you know, you walk off to the side, the eyes are going with you. You know? And yeah. No, no, thank you. I've run into a couple of those in my lifetime. You have more fans. Marisa agrees with Jerry. She says, me too. I love Anna's work. Thank you Athena so much. Says, Athena says, she is so entertaining. <laughs> I try. <laughs> That's all they do. They ask me, when's Anna going to be on again? When's Anna going to be on again? What did you say? They always say they're they're always asking me when 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 Anna, you know when is Anna going to be on again you know Oh okay <laughs> You got Well that, maybe so. when the next the next book comes out there we go yeah Absolutely yeah. Well you know it has been a blast tonight Thank you And I appreciate you coming on I really appreciate it we've turned into good friends and, uh, it's been, it's always fun. And, and I appreciate returning. I appreciate the opportunity. You are very entertaining. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> <laughs> we just entertain each other. <laughs> I need it today after yesterday, you know? Yeah. Three hours at the ER for a five-minute procedure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And then with COVID, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there. I appreciate the fact, I'm not going to say my hospital, I appreciate the fact that they're putting up those plastic barrier things. Mm -hmm. But the problem is they don't put them in front of you where you sit. They put them to the sides. Oh. So I had two people in front of me across, you know, across the way who were uh, coughing with, with con congestion. Oh, wonderful. So I got like three masks on. Because, of course, my N95 broke before I went in. So I had my California Haunts mask on. And then I grabbed a couple mm -hmm. of the little generic nurse, you know, those things they give out at the hospital. I had two more on oh. over that. And I actually got up and I ended up walking, like, almost outside to sit down. Because I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and get exposed to this. I don't even know what this is, you know. Yeah. But you'd think that they would have had, had like, plastic, like, like little enclosures. Instead, they had, like, plastic on, on, the, on each side of each chair. Oh, jeez. And then the people across from you, you know, were firing away, as they say. So after last night, I needed today. I needed this show. <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte. Yes. I have a favor to ask you. Uh-oh, what? What do you need? The next time I see you, you'll have to tell me what you saw in the armoire. I will. 
Okay. okay. It's a deal. It's a deal. All right, Anna, you have a good evening. Thanks so, so what's much. Next, what's next for you? Where? Where? What? What's coming up next for you? What's coming up next? It's called Unholy Structure. Okay. The mansion that refused to be renovated. Okay. Yes. That that's the working title right now. I'm not sure if it's going to be the title, but it's definitely unholy structure, and it's definitely unholy. Okay, cool, cool, cool. How can people find you? Uh, I am on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I also have a podcast for storytelling. It's called the Sinister Archives Podcast, uh, and and obviously I'm also on Amazon. They can follow me. Um, and my books, all three books are there right now. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, thank you so much. Get some rest. Thank you. I know I'll see you at 2 a.m., but get some rest. And uh, <laughs> have, have a good sleep. night. All right, you have a good night. Good night. Bye-bye. It's always fun to have her on, always entertaining. I needed, Like I said, I needed it after last, after last night's hell at the ER. Anyway. As I said earlier in the show, California Haunts Ghostly Events is a page I have on Facebook. I now have, and if you guys, are you guys sitting down? Everybody, everybody sitting down? I have 1,300 followers on Facebook now. Thanks to you guys. Thanks to getting the word out about the show. Still want to get more followers. But because I have 1,300 followers, I can now get involved in to, to, for my first monetizing a show, which is cool. You know, because that, that's the ultimate thing you want to do to be able to monetize and, and support and, 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 and get things supported. You guys have been great. I still need donations, but, you know. So, uh, California Haunts Ghostly Events is, is the page that Facebook okayed. And so I'm going to start doing some special stuff over there. I was thinking about using Patreon for this, but I think this is a better gig. And I'm going to be doing more, in, like like with maybe with Anna and different people like Anna, do more in debt and in-depth interviews with people over there and those would be special you know special events for you guys to come to and by monetizing i don't know if you guys are aware of it facebook has a stars program and each star is a penny so people can like and i'm not saying you guys have to do this i'm just saying this is how it works and so you guys buy little packages of pennies and you can donate however many stars you want to donate what you know whatever during the show you don't have to do this I'm just saying it's just it's just something that Facebook offers to for their Facebook creators. So I actually qualified for the program because I have 1,300 followers. But uh, yeah, it's all because everybody's been coming, and I appreciate each and every one of you guys, the people that have been with me for a long time. My producer Marisa Haynes been around a long time with me, put up with all the ups and downs and me crying and whining and my long hours and phone calls at three in the morning when I get these. These fantastic ideas for the show and you know and products and stuff. So I appreciate that. And on the twenty third, I think it's the twenty third. Actually, no. Well, I'm going to make up the show from from Sunday that I didn't do. You know, to read the book. On the twenty third of June will be the two hundredth show in this format. So we're going to have a little thing that day. You know, I'm going to do some. We're going to have some prizes, some giveaways and stuff. Nancy Maths might be with me that day, so we're going to be doing that. So things are coming together really nice for this. But again, I still need, you know, again, you see that thing flashing around the bottom, you know, to help, don to help donate and, you know, keep things going. I, I still need the help. 
you know, it's always it's always going to be there to support all this because this is all I do. I'm retired. But uh, if you like the show, share it with five people. That's our motto, right? Five and five. If you hated the show, share it with five people. We're equal opportunity here. If you're watching from YouTube, please subscribe. There's that little ghost down in the right-hand corner. Click on that. There's over 200 videos over there. More than. I'm sorry, I'm not sure. It's more than. 200 videos over there. And, uh, yeah. And if you can't find our YouTube page, if you're Googling around and stuff and you can't find our YouTube page, go to CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. And you'll find it there. The archives are also over there. Along with some of the archives from Blog Talk. We were on Blog Talk for more than 10 years. So, yeah. Tomorrow's guest is, we're, we're kind of shifting here. This, this was funny. Right? Freddie Silva is going to be with us. Freddie Silva has done a lot of research on ancient, on ancient civilizations. He's also done research on the Bible. And he's found that some, a lot of the stuff in the Bible coincides with what happened in a lot of these, in a lot of these ancient places. So he's going to talk about that. But he's going to be with us tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, usual time. So I'm looking forward to talking to him. I'm, I'm a history buff, so it'll be fun, you know. But thank you all for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. And I will be setting up something over there on, on, on Ghostly Events page because I, I want to talk. I want to do that kind of informal, like a Q&A kind of thing and updates on, on, the, on the team and what we're doing and whatnot and, and different things like that. It'll be fun. It'll be some fun stuff. You know, and, to, and just, just, just a place to be us a little bit, you know, away from this, because this is more formal format, even though I don't make it that way, but it's more formal format. But again, I want to thank you. Come visit us at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com and CaliforniaHaunts.org uh, to take a look at the paranormal team. And yes, we do have cases that I'm lining up right now, and I'm real excited about that, to get back out and, and help some people, because that's what I do this for, is to, is, is to help people with the paranormal stuff. Or who think they might have paranormal stuff. That's what I thrive on. And uh, again, you know, you see that thing, t- that, that ticker along the bottom. That's because I am retired. So all the, all the costs for this and the paranormal team come out of my pocket. So if something breaks, it comes out of my pocket. So if you uh, can find it in your heart to help me out a little bit, that would be great. Okay, it's at uh, paypal.me at California Haunts. Or you can go to Venmo if you don't like PayPal and just type in California Haunts. But, you know, whether or not you donate, I'm fine with it. You're all, you're all family to me. Athena, Jerry, Marisa, you're all family to me. All you guys. Pamela, you know. So I, I, I appreciate each and every one of you. And again, tomorrow night's going to be Freddie Silva, Ancient Civilizations and the Bible. So uh, without further ado, I will show you the three books that Anna has written. And where you can get them, and then I'm going to sign off for the night. So here we go. Portal. Anna Maria Manalo. The Way Through the Woods. That's the one we read online. Fantastic book. And Haunted Heirlooms is the new book. I'm right in the process of reading that one. Awesome book. I'm going to be writing a review on that book, too. Excuse me, my allergies. Books at Amazon.
And I keep forgetting, if you happen to be cruising over to TikTok or you have a TikTok account, we're also over at TikTok. I'm starting to build up Instagram as well. Um, I'll have excerpts from these types of interviews, uh, you know, with lead-in over the website to, for the complete interview. Also, uh, I'm telling ghost stories. Like I said, like I started with the Woodland Opera House, and I'm about to put the part two on that one where I show the evidence that we got there. So if you want, like, quick, like, three to four-minute stories about haunted locations in Cal- Northern California, I'm going to be doing that, plus showing the evidence that we obtained there. So check out TikTok. All you have to do is type, I believe it's just straight California haunts on TikTok. Okay, well, I will see you tomorrow then at uh, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, and have a good night.